This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Hello, I'm Steve Sharetta, Senior Managing Editor at Knowledge at Wharton, and I'd like to welcome Felipe Montero today. Felipe is a Senior Fellow at the Mac Institute of Management here at Wharton, and he's also an Affiliate Professor of Strategy at NSEAD. And he's the co-author of a new paper published by NSEAD very recently titled Digital Transformation in Latin America, a Leapfrogging Opportunity. His co-authors are Gabrielle Rosman and Anne-Marie Carrick, both at INSEAD. And I'd like to welcome you to Knowledge at Wharton, Flippy. Great to have you. Hey, Steve. My pleasure. Yeah. So this is a really interesting area because I think people have paid attention to this idea of leapfrogging, which I'd like you to explain briefly in, in one second. But they're aware of certain kinds of uh, – probably the best example is M-Pesa in Africa – where they don't don't have traditional landlines, and so cellular phones are are in almost everyone's hands, and so they leapfrog that whole landline thing. But then that gave M-Pesa a way to bring uh, financial inclusion to so many millions of people. So that's an example people often cite, and I think that your paper is saying there are great opportunities for this idea of leapfrogging in Latin America. So why don't you briefly explain what the paper is about and this concept of, of leapfrogging for us? Yes, Steve. Uh, let me maybe give a little bit of background and how we started thinking about this. Because I, I know there are a lot of conversations and actually a lot of work on this idea of digital transformation. And this is happening everywhere. It's happening in the U.S., happening here in Europe and China. And one thing that has been puzzling me and my co-authors was what is happening in other parts of the world. So, I mean, I'm pretty much convinced that these sort of formations here and the impact is going to be huge uh, across countries, across industries. And when we start thinking about and starting researching about what is happening in other regions and particularly in Latin America, it clearly became kind of a very interesting angle to to that conversation on this transformation is would that allow countries in emerging markets and specifically in Latin America to leapfrog and what is leapfrogging and you you gave a great example of Mpesa in Africa and is this really this idea of when you don't have infrastructure where you can use this as an opportunity to escape and then adopt a more advanced technology, a more advanced method. So basically, is this idea, can you really bypass development stages? And because you don't have those legacy systems, already adapt the most developed ones. And we do believe, and we try to provide some examples and a lot of data in this article, that digital transformation will create a number of leapfrogging opportunities for Latin America. It's interesting. I, I don't know if this qualifies, but another one that, that springs to mind is uh, in China, for example, desktops never reached the level of penetration that they did in the U.S. And, and it was almost as if well, they didn't skip desktops, but but they immediately, very early on, adopted uh, cellular phones. And that I, some people say that that's one reason why they are so far ahead when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, automated payments and so forth over the phone. But that's just another example, I think. Yes, and I think it's interesting because 
both examples we were talking about really involves mobile and, and mobile penetration. And, and this is, is, I think this is also the case in Latin America. Because if you look at the data, what you see is the penetration of mobile phones in Latin America, similar to what we, we knew in the case of M-Pesa, is huge. So in that whole region, they skipped the fixed line, uh, and most people adopt directly the mobile phone. With, when we think about the digital world, the implication of that is that population is really eager, prepared, right, and already doing a lot of mobile transactions in a number of sectors. So I believe, right, and just to give a kind of one number, I mean, mobile penetration in America should be about 70% in, in 2020. Uh, so kind of roughly kind of 71% uh, in a couple of years. This is 600 million people in Latin America. So you see, there'll be a lot of people with mobile on their hands, um, being prepared to do transactions, and, and this is going to have huge implications. So what were some of the key takeaways briefly from the research, some of the key conclusions? So I think for me the, the, the key conclusion, uh, Steve, really has to do with this idea of, as you look at regions in the world, emerging markets, um, we can look at them and say, you know, there's so many deficiencies and institutional gaps and hurdles and barriers, and you can look at them and say, no, this is a half-empty glass. Uh, I think the, the main conclusion of, of, the, of the article, and, and I wouldn't even go as far as say make conclusion, but it's almost like a, uh, and, and actually the title of the article, there's a question mark at the end, it's a leapfrogging opportunity, so we, we don't want to kind of conclude that the region will be able to leapfrog. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the main point is digital will create an opportunity uh, for leapfrogging. And, and I think if you see things this way, um, the glass becomes a story of a, a half-full glass, meaning you know, there's so many opportunities in so many sectors that uh, digital can allow companies in the region and countries in the region really to make huge progress. Now, um, I'm wondering what surprised you, if anything, as, as you did this research, because one thing I saw in the paper, which I thought was really interesting and I didn't realize, was that, for example, there's many Silicon Valleys popping up in Latin American cities, and there's something, I think you cite something like 20 internet software companies with more than $250 million in revenues. Um, to, to cite one example, can you, what, what else surprised you about the research that you did in this area? Yeah, you're definitely right. So this idea of how many important players we have in the region was a surprise. As much as we, we keep hearing about, when we think about Latin America, we think about the really those global Latinas and the really the large companies. And you can think about Petrobras or Cemex in Mexico or Vale in Brazil, all those really large corporations who are pretty global. Mm-hmm. Um, doing research in this area also revealed there, there are a number of companies, some of them quite important, and, and you give you this example of right, 20 that are in this 250 million or so. Um, but not only that, we have 10 unicorns uh, in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent of them is a Brazilian company called PagSeguro, which had its IPO in January uh, this year at New York Stock Exchange, and they raised about $2.2 billion. Uh, and then you have about 40 companies that are between 100 and 1 billion. 
um, in the digital space. So I think this idea of how many innovative players you have in the region and how many of them are already quite uh, important was a surprise. I think another surprise, as you mentioned, is how many of those ecosystems are emerging in the region. So um, they are far from being as important as the, the big clusters like Silicon Valley uh, or Boston, but there are a number of those initiatives. And if you think about the speed of development in the digital world, meaning things that happen so fast and they can be deployed so quickly, and if you take into account the size of the population in Latin America that we were discussing before, is about 600 million people. Uh, you can see how the, the impact of digital formation can be really fast and can, can really be um, reaching a large segment of the population. So uh, let's talk about some of the areas that you would think would be most ripe for this kind of leapfrogging. I know you, you, you talked about a couple. It would be interesting to, or I'm sorry, you wrote about a couple. It would be interesting to hear you talk about them and maybe some examples. I think you cited in particular e-health, uh, fintech, and e-commerce. Yes, you're right. So we also talked about uh, smart cities in, yes. in the paper, but, let, but let's kind of start with, with those three. Uh, I think fintech maybe is the most developed one, um, or the most developed in terms of the, the number of fintech companies in the region that are already doing a lot of innovation, but also have the potential of doing even more in the future. Uh, I think one important piece of data is knowing that about half of the Latin American population is unbanked. Um, so there's a huge part of, of Latin Americans who do not have a bank account. And if you think about all the solutions that we can have using digital, from the ones right that you talk about mobile payments with your cell phone, from purely digital banks, um, we believe that fintech is, is really one area that you're going to have a lot of advance and potentially some leapfrogging solutions. Um, another example, if you go to Brazil, uh, there's a, a new bank called Nubank, uh, new, new in, in Portuguese means naked, so it means a, a bank with no infrastructure, physical infrastructure, completely uh, digital. Uh, and in two years, they got about 5.5 million credit card applications, which is quite a lot for a, right, a new entrant uh, in such a short period of time. Um, if you think about e-commerce, uh, e-commerce in Latin America is, you have one of the most important players in the region, coming from Argentina, is a company called Mercado Libre. Um, they have about $8 billion in sales every year. Um, if, you think, if you look at the region, there are about 130 million uh, online shoppers uh, in Latin America. So um, you see the, those areas, and when we are far from being exhaustive uh, in the article, but if you look at FinTech, by this potential of people not banked, uh, and then some important players, and you, you see the, the potential for leapfrogging. Uh, if you took a look, e-commerce, uh, is a similar story. I think what is interesting about e-health, and to a certain extent, smart cities, is also the social impact that those initiatives can have uh, in the region. So if you look at, at e-health, 
and you know um, how precarious is the health system in a number of countries in Latin America, uh, you can start to see how initiatives of having, for example, telemedicine, and there's a company in Chile called AccuHealth uh, that has been providing remote patient monitoring, and they're spending a lot of money, uh, see a lot of money for governments and municipalities that have to provide service, but also providing medical services many times in areas which are remote. Um, I think the same thing as you think about the, the potential of artificial intelligence applied to medicine and to health, like IBM Watson solutions for cancer diagnosis, you being able to take the most advanced diagnosis to very remote locations in a continent like Latin America. Um, in that case, right, or in those cases, to me, the, the interesting aspect is that it's not only the business potential of that, and there are many companies, right, making profit, they have business models which would take advantage of that, but also the social benefit uh, and social inclusion and really the kind of increasing the living standards in the region. The, the other area that you, you broached uh, as you started with your examples was smart cities. And, of course, Latin America has uh, a lot of, I guess we call them megacities now, which are you know 10 million inhabitants or more. So these cities of this size, of course, have all sorts of the usual city problems, traffic, pollution, and also um, government inefficiency, things that could be automated and, and made simpler, more efficient. Could you talk about those opportunities? Because Latin America has some very big cities, quite a number of them. Yes, you're absolutely right. So, right, if you take Sao Paulo, Mexico City, Rio, Buenos Aires, these are pretty large uh, cities. What I would also add, Steve, is the population of Latin America is largely urban population. Unlike other emerging markets, most of Latin American population lives in cities, not only those huge ones, those megalopolis as we were talking mm-hmm. about, but also in cities in general. Just to give you some figures, mm-hmm. if you take the Brazilian population, 86% is urban population. Argentina, 92. Chile, 90. Wow. Mexico, 80. And, and again, I think whenever we have those statistics, we have to be cautious. I, I don't want to go and say, no, it's exactly 90 or 92. But these are pretty kind of good numbers and recent numbers. Um, so if you combine the two things we're saying, you know, we have very large cities, and most of the populations live in cities. Um, and, and then we add another one which you, you mentioned, which is many of those are not efficient. And uh, you see the potential of coming with solutions, right, of smart city applications, and you see that the impact is going to be pretty critical. Um, with some... Parallel to what we're describing in e-health, which, which means right, you can have the, the business impact. And just to give an example, in Sao Paulo, right, the, the number of I mean, public transportation in Sao Paulo is a big challenge for any large mm-hmm. megalopolis in an emerging market. And, and then when you have a solution like Uber, um, and then what you had in Brazil was a Brazilian competitor to Uber called 99 Taxis. And, and they have just been acquired by China's Didi. And this is kind of a $600 million deal. So we talk about big numbers, big scale, um, with kind of important and, and large implications for the populations living in cities. Um, 
if you go to Colombia, like the, the transportation solution, also smarter transportation solution in cities like Medellin, um, have been quite important. So I think one way of seeing this well, is when you go to right, Zurich or you go to you know, a very uh, a Boston or L.A. or San Francisco, the, the standard of transportation is already very high. You, of course, you can make improvements, but it's very high. When you go to Sao Paulo, Mexico, Medellin, Buenos Aires, the potential, right, the, the delta that digital, in that case, the application of digital to smart cities um, can bring in terms of improvement, it is pretty substantial. And if you combine this with what we were discussing before, knowing that a large segment of the population, the vast majority of, of the population in the region, lives in cities, um, you see how with solutions like this, you're going to have a, a, a very important reach for the population in the region. Uh- I wanted to also ask about the obstacles to leapfrogging. As you, as you noted at the outset, your, the, the title of your paper ends in a question mark. In other words, the opportunities are, are there. It doesn't come to a conclusion about whether those opportunities w- will be realized. And so would you outline some of the key obstacles to having a successful leapfrogging effort in Latin America? Yeah, we are not short of obstacles at all, right? So we, <laughs> I don't want to give the false impression that it's that you only have opportunities. Um, the obstacles are as big as the opportunities. I would start with really the physical infrastructure because let's go to one concrete example. If you think about e-commerce, we can develop the most sophisticated e-commerce platforms and some of the solutions we have in the regions are very good, but it's still for physical goods, if you're buying a, buying a book or if you're buying a fridge or a television or a computer, and you need to have it delivered, the mere logistics uh, is really poor in many cities and many countries in the region. So e-commerce or the online platform can go only as far as having the interface with the consumer and the internal logistics in this, right, the warehouse to ship the, the products, but then it has to be delivered. And improving the logistics and improving the infrastructure will be a big barrier. I think the other one is really the red tape and the bureaucracy and the inefficiency in, in many of those countries. So if you combine right the, the physical infrastructure with this legal, bureaucratic, red tape uh, infrastructure, you see that a lot of the, the success or to a large extent, the success of, of the digital strategies will depend on how those countries will change their physical infrastructure and their institutional infrastructure to allow those firms, which are very innovative, um, really to deliver on, on what they plan to do. I think one fascinating angle, right, and once in that conversation is it is almost like the same aspect that may allow for leapfrogging are also the ones which can be an obstacle. So it's interesting because you can, you can look and, and say, you know, you have so many problems with infrastructure, you will not be able to leapfrog. Or you can say, you know, we have those problems with infrastructure. It is exactly in that space that, imagine, solutions in smart cities will come and really will allow 
for those companies to, to be able to come with. So to what extent is the, the difficulties will be something that will motivate startups and companies to come up with solutions because this is such a big problem that solution has to be found or there's going to be obstacles which are really going to deter and going to at least slow down the digital formation in the region. Um, in that conversation, right, I'm, I'm talking mostly about kind of business solutions to business problems. I think it's also important that we take into account that governments, and governments, when I say governments, not only the federal governments in those countries, but also municipalities and state governments, they can play a big role. They can play a big role both as investors, right, in terms of where governments will direct the public investments, but also as administrators, meaning how they make doing business in those countries, in those states, in those municipalities easier. So I think we need, and, and clearly, as in the digital world, we need coordination among players. Many times that coordination will be among different companies, different sectors. I have no doubt that for the region to make progress, there will be really necessary to have coordination among kind of the business sector and government to make sure that everybody understands what are the promises of digital. And I think there's so many opportunities in that space but also understand that everybody has to work together to make those promises real. I know that another obstacle that you cite in the paper is education, but at the same time, uh, we had an offline uh, conversation about how there's this incredible informal education structure that has sprung up around uh, the computer tech sector. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so if you, if you think about um, formal education, and if you look at these scores, or if you look at enrollment in many of, of those countries, the picture might be discouraging because you see low PISA scores, um, you see how difficult is access to university in many countries. What is interesting in the digital space is that a lot of the skills which are necessary for digital um, can be more technical skills. And a lot of the technical skills you have a lot of people who are kind of self-learners. They learn how to code independently, or they learn how to code in coding schools, in, and they learn how to code online. So there's a whole new generation that might be able to be kind of very good in having some of those coding skills, analytic skills, even without having all the formal education going to the to universities or doing at least the 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 degree programs that we are familiar with today. So I don't want to underestimate the huge challenges in terms of education for the region, and I think governments uh, should kind of invest in formal education, make sure that children are going to school and getting learning the right skills and, and universities are good. But also I think we should acknowledge that in the digital world, there's a parallel way of learning, and a lot of that learning doesn't really require the formal education institutional uh, educational institutions as we know them today. I, I did want to ask what sets your research apart from other work in this area. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that no one took the, the uh, comprehensive look at this idea of leapfrogging that you and your co-authors have taken. Is that correct? So I think there, there's a lot going on uh, on that space. Uh, I think I, there's a lot of data, and there are so many, and we cite 
so many reports from, from many companies. I think what we try to do in this piece is really making that statement, and more than a statement, that question mark, on really pushing people and pushing companies and governments to see the region and see digital really as a leapfrogging um, opportunity, which I think puts us in a different frame of mind because we can stay here um, complaining about the deficiencies, but actually as you look at entrepreneurs, as you look at those so many companies that we talked about in the region, I think they see it with different lenses. They say, you know, we can make a difference and we can really take the deficiency that we have now, not as an obstacle, but as a motivator for us to, to leapfrog and to kind of skip steps and come up with something that's going to kind of lead the region and lead kind of different companies in, in, in the region to uh, and, uh, the next stage. So I think, and also it's interesting because it's, it was only after reading a lot and doing a lot of research that that realization came to us, not that we started with no saying, yes, this is leapfrogging. I think it's only after really looking at the data, talking to a number of people, um, that we start saying, no, yes, maybe there's a, a leapfrogging opportunity there. Do you plan to extend this line of research? What would you look at next if you do? So I think there are two ways that we're working on. Uh, one is really understanding better specific examples, specific companies. So we are working with some of them um, to go to the right of the microprocessors, so what exactly are they doing, uh, how are they implementing it. Uh, and, and, and we have kind of two approaches. One is really understanding how very well-established firms are doing this transformation in the region. And there are very interesting examples, but also looking at the startups and, and, and how those startups are, are working. So I'm currently working with a number of those. The second one is also bringing this to the classroom. So um, we are already teaching a number of courses where we bring that discussion to the classroom. And I'm also taking a number of our students for a digital transformation module in Brazil later uh, this year. So, uh, as I said at the beginning, this is far from from exhaustive or complete. This is much more a, a, a research agenda that we're starting, and, and as we're talking in the digital space, typically it is a journey. So we are just embarking that journey. And just quickly for our readers and listeners, uh, where is this paper published? So INSEAD published this uh, last month, so it can be accessed at the INSEAD uh, website. We have a case um, site for that, and also is being distributed by the Case Center, uh, so it's kind of already available online, kind of globally distributed. Well, uh, thank you, Felipe, for sharing uh, this the ideas in this paper with us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Steve. And if you like what you hear, and even if you don't, you can visit our website to let us know. And if you would like more knowledge, the URL is knowledge.wharton upenn.edu and uh, we, you'll find a piece about this story and we will include a link that can take you directly where you can access the paper. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.